The stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I'm Annette Comer, your host, and each week, the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. Today's woman was lucky enough to have a college professor that led her toward a career she absolutely loves, public relations. And she was good at it, no matter who she worked for. Her reputation as being one of the best began to build, and clients started to ask for her. Then one day, her boss told her that it was impossible to combine happy customers and happy employees in the same space, something she was striving for and valued deep inside. This was her catalyst for change. She left working for others and started her own company. Fast forward to today, and you will find she has created the perfect formula that keeps employees happy while growing a solid customer base. And in this space of balancing customers and employees, she is building a successful company while walking a path to greatness. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Nicole Rodriguez. Hi, Nicole. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for all the kind words. Well, we are short on time, so let's jump right in. The first thing I want to explore is this healthy, happy work environment you have created. I want to know, what is your secret to this, and how does it reflect in your company bottom line? Yeah, that is such a great question, and one that I can't say that I had figured out when I first started the company. So for anybody listening who hasn't figured it out yet, it's totally okay What happened with me was when I first started my company, I thought I can teach anyone public relations, especially anyone who has interest, which I think transfers to a lot of other industries too. So, you know, you want to start a company, if someone feels passionate about it, or they seem passionate, okay, well, that's somebody that I can teach. Well, what I realized was it was more than just a passion that they needed to come to the table with. It was a combination of the right writing skills right? We write a lot. Most people don't understand that majority of public relations is actually, I would say at least 80% written. And if you don't have that nailed, well, you're going to be frustrated with yourself and with the process at work, you know? And so what I found was I would hire people. I wasn't gauging the skills. I wasn't testing them first. I would look at their passion and think I can teach them but the fundamentals were missing. And so what would happen is there would be, uh, there, there would be tension and, you know, and I would feel bad and I'd say, okay, well, and I was finding that I was spending more of my time teaching basic fundamentals and not allowing the, the full passion to be sort of explored. So what I realized was I needed to change my, my hiring model, right? And I also changed the questions that I asked in interviews Because what I realized was the most important was team chemistry. That team chemistry then translates to clients. And when the team wasn't feeling at their best, it was felt in the office. And at that, you know, in the beginning days, you know, it was very, very few of us. So you could definitely feel it if one one person was off. So I thought, okay, I really do need to improve. And so in the interview sort of process, before you even get there, There's something on Indeed that actually prompts someone to take a little bit of a motivation test and a writing test. If you don't take those, I actually don't even interview you. So a lot of people will apply. But if you don't take the time to do those two things, well, I see that your attention to detail is off. And I know that attention to detail is big for us. The next is, okay, if you took the tests and those passed, great. Well, someone from my team will contact you and we'll have an initial conversation. 
And then I talk to you about your passion and make sure that's there because that that is still very important. But then I talk about goals and interests, right? Then finally, we get someone else on the team and we ask something called the Kobayashi question. And I totally recommend that this be something that other people ask. So I don't know if you're into Star Trek, but there's this question, right? Where it's like, there is no way to win. There's no way to win when we ask this question. And this has to basically, this tests people on how do they handle loss? How can they manage that? So one particular question is, okay, you've got a deadline that I've set, but then there's another deadline that a client has set and you're behind on both. There's no way that you're going to win. How are you going to handle that? And the way people answer these questions has been so key because some people are like, oh, well, I just, you know, I wouldn't do this or I would try to do both or I would do. And you, you realize a mindset. And what I started doing was hiring for mindset and skill. And what that has created has been a drama-free, completely intrinsically motivated, focused workforce where people are driven to do a good job for the sake of doing a good job, for the sake of their own personal goals. They see that they have a mentor in me, but they're not relying on me solely to teach them everything. And we've created a playbook to give them some of those answers. So over the time, we've really developed a system for hiring right. And if we see someone has passed the test and they're not a fit, I fire fast. People are not, you know, they're like, oh, why would you do that? Chemistry has been everything. You fire fast, you hire slow. And that has been what has helped me really. I I can't say that I've had a better team that has a better chemistry than the one I have right now. And of course, you you have made mistakes in that hiring. Sure. So it becomes, I mean, I want people to realize that even with this tremendous process you've outlined, you get yeah. some time. You absolutely do. And I know that's hit your bottom line in a positive way, hasn't it? I know. Oh, big time. Because yeah. employee turnover is bad. And then that chemistry that you've described, when everybody is aligned and are firing on all cylinders, watch out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Watch <laughs> Like on fire, you're not having to babysit a process. Again, that intrinsic motivation where people are motivated to do a good job for the team because they see the value in it for themselves and and for the team. It's it's a really cool thing to see. It's a really cool thing to experience too. And I think that people don't always have the patience for building and managing the team process and don't understand just how important that is to the success of any company. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm going to move to a little bit more in your personal life. You were a single mom at 19 years old, yet you, 22, still very young, my dear, very (laughs) young. But even in spite of that, you went on to college and Mm -hmm. you had a successful career and you started your own company. So how did you manage this without losing your sanity and your focus? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, my, my daughter, I would have to say is probably at the time was very scary. You know, I, I not ashamed to admit that it wasn't planned. You know, I met her father when I was 19. So that's probably when mm-hmm. he got the 19 and, you know, he was a little bit older. And so I just kind of trusted blindly and he was ready for marriage and a family. And I was just still in college, right? And I was getting my undergraduate degree and I wanted to focus on that. And he was like, okay, yeah, hurry, hurry, get your degree and let's get married and have children. And I'm just thinking, well, I'm not sure, you know, if that's who I am. And I I had struggled with who I was at that time, which I think is 
before I didn't see it as being common because most of my friends didn't talk about it. But as I've gotten older, it's like, oh, yeah, I struggled with identity and who I was. And I really did. At that time, I thought, you know, am I a wife and a mother first? Or am I a businesswoman? And is that wrong? And it was just really, really tough. And so here I was faced with this dilemma. I, I was a senior in, in college and pregnant. And I thought, you know what, Nicole, you've got to make a decision. Who are you? And I said, you know what I am? I am someone who reaches her goals no matter what, who strives to be her best no matter what the situation. And because I did not want my unborn child to go through that, I thought, you know what, then my goal right now is just to be the best example I can possibly be. And when I found out she was a girl, it was like, all right, let's go, girlfriend. And I was like, I remember talking to my belly and I was like, I hope you're ready for this ride because mom's not taking a day off. I'm going into finals just like everybody else. I'm not asking for the easy route and you're going to be learning as I'm going. And I, I literally didn't skip a beat. I took 24 units in my last semester and I proved to myself that I was more mentally capable than I thought. I think I had a lot of self-doubt and she just became my motivation to be my best self. And Everything that I did since was, am I reaching my goals? Am I striving for my best? Am I showing her how to be a woman who can make it in this world? And hats off to her dad, who I think he just unleashed a beast that he didn't realize was going to happen. He's <laughs> like, whoa, what happened to my my timid, sweet little girlfriend? <laughs> you know, and um, and I just, you know, I said, this is me, and I, I guess I have to come to terms with it. And, and if this is good for you, great. If it's not let's not force this. I want you to be happy. And, you know, we remained friends and he has also been a big cheerleader of mine watching. He's like almost in amazement of what, what I've been able to accomplish, but he sees just the, the value that it's brought to my daughter and how she's me times two. I'm, I'm so proud of everything that she's doing. She's a college student, straight A's, and I, I couldn't ask for a better situation, but yeah. So it, so it certainly wasn't easy. Oh, no. And you don't want to imply that it was easy, but it became an attitude of not quitting. Not quitting. And, it was like the Rocky Balboa movies. Every time <laughs> I got knocked down in the ring, it was like one more round. One I more knew there was one more time. <laughs> one more. Uh, it, yeah, it certainly wasn't easy. Life no. has, has dealt its fair share of, of hard blows. But you're still standing, aren't you? Like, like and a little bloody at times, but you're still going. All right. So during an earlier conversation you and I had, you told me, and I'll quote you, sometimes competition looks bigger because they have investors, not because they do things better. So I want to ask, how have you used this perspective to your advantage? Oh, goodness. I've used it because my mindset remains hungry when it comes to bettering the company, bettering myself bettering processes, bettering the output of the firm, bettering the employees in any way that I can help. And I feel like that hunger and that drive remains because the success and failure of this company still rides on my shoulders. I don't have a cushion. I don't have investors that I can rely on. And a lot of, obviously, I worked for a lot of other companies growing up. So I know what that looks like to have partners, investors, and cushion. Cushion means a little bit softer, right? You got a little bit more wiggle room to, to relax. It's been full steam ahead since the day we started, and I haven't taken my foot off the pedal at all. And because of that, the growth that we've been able to see 
the it's self sort of perpetuated. And I've seen us surpass agencies that have been open much longer than we have. And those ones are, you know, they're reliant on other means for staying alive when it's like for us, think about this pandemic. There is no way that we're staying alive if we are not being successful and if we are not, you know, delivering for clients. Right. So it's think fast, it's move, it's let's not dwell on issues. Let's just make things happen. And that sort of energy and that chemistry has one kept us very fiscally responsible, right? It's made me be incredibly smart with every hire, with every resource we bring in and watch those things meticulously and build a team that supports that. Um, So I'm not saying that eventually, you know, hey, you can only go so far, right? You can, it's, it's been a slow growth, but we've gotten there. Have I danced with that thought? We've been approached by investors. But my big thing was, I am going to prove that my model works and that we can be profitable in this way so that if ever we did take on an investor or I did bring on a partner, they would have to see that this works. We're, we're not going to fix what's not broken. And that was a big thing for me at first. Like, I, I don't want to partner an investor because if I mess up, it's going to be on my own dime and my own conscience. And so now I feel, you know, we've, we've done it. We've, we've proven the model. We've really, really grown and off of hard work in our own, our own investment dollars. Well, and sometimes when there is a lot of investors in the background, there can be a sense of a safety net that makes you get a little sloppy. That's right. Or maybe even get you a little complacent. And when there's just you and the the buck stops with you 100%. Yep. There's a, there's not much of, there's a whole different ball game in it. That's right. That is right. So I'm going to move on to talking about attitude a little bit. So you have an attitude of never letting anything stop you. We've already heard you speak to that and that you will outcreate the problems. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit more about how this looks in real life for you and why this is critical to your success. Yeah, I think being a small business owner, you know, when I first started, there were so many issues that it was almost like juggling 20 balls in the air and not knowing, you know, which one do I concentrate on? Do I put all my attention? You only have so many attention units that you can give to a certain thing. And what I realized was, Anything that happened negatively, whether it was a, a incorrect hire or I brought on a client that brought the wrong type of energy or maybe that client didn't pay their bill and that happened early on, right? It, it did. And it was hard because at that point I was faced with the challenge of, do I go and chase this money and do I put all my energy and effort into getting a lawyer and making sure that this person pays or do I outcreate that? go out there, continue to promote my company, do good work and find a replacement and let karma take care of what's going on over there, which in every case has. And I said, you know what? I don't have time. I'm not going to waste it on this when this person is you know, running or whatever. Again, if it was a bad hire, I'm not going to sit and dwell on, well, what did I do wrong? It's what went wrong? How do we find the right answer? And let's go do it. And you just create the, a, a better result. And that has happened time and again, having faith in yourself and having faith that the universe does have your back 
and wants you to succeed, you don't focus on anything that was negative. You focus on what's going on here. And uh, I'll tell you from bad hires to clients who just, you know, decided that they didn't want to pay their bill because, well, we didn't get the funding we thought we were going to get. I created new systems to make sure to fix that to where things are paid up front. Um, and I also found different, you know, the the right criteria for the people. So I outcreated that and and here we are. And I'm not dwelling on, oh, well, I never got that. I'm thinking I figured out a way to continue this path. And that's what's the most important thing. So I think when you, you're tested in that way, what is it? Wave the white flag and give it up? No, we find a solution and we keep going. And um, I'm so glad that uh, I never gave up when those those times were kind of faced. But hope and that and, there's, and a lot of them come, don't they? Oh, <laughs> they do. They, 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 they really do. It kind of you know. About, you're like, why? Why? I've always I've always said uh, entrepreneurship separates the those that are serious about it and those who are playing because totally. It, it is it, not for everyone. No, and it discovers more about yourself than maybe you want to know sometimes for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So I know you are a life learner. You and I definitely share that between us. How important is it to you that you invest in yourself and does it impact your self-confidence? Sure. Oh, my gosh. I mean, perfect example is I'm going back to school to get my MBA. And a lot of people said, well, why waste money? I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty expensive ticket, right? And for me, I, I got to a point in my life where, again, the mindset of setting an example for my daughter and other young women, going to UCLA was a huge dream of mine when I was a teenager. I was 17, 18, thinking about the colleges that I wanted to go to. And I knew I also had to pay for college on my own. Mm. And so San Jose State, God bless it. I'm so glad I did go there. But that became the choice because that was where I knew I was going to be able to afford and be able to go. And that gut, you know, feeling of, oh, I have to say goodbye to my dream. UCLA was just, it was a dream. And so I got to a point to where the business was running well. My team was just fabulous. And here my daughter is in college. And I said, you know what? I am going to check this out. I had a conversation with my sister and I said, it's still bothering me that I never did it. It's still bothering me. And she's just like, well, check it out. Like, you know, maybe there's a, there's some way you can do it. And I talked to the, you know, the admissions people and they were just lovely and made, you know, at at Anderson school, which is a school of business there. And I just said, you know what, I'm going for it. And, you know, of course they explained, well, this is how much it's going to cost. And I said, you know what, that's an investment in me an investment in me to better myself as a leader, I'm going to learn so much and I am going to apply it. I'm going to take it back to my business. I'm going to show my team that you're, it's never too late to keep learning. I don't know everything. I know a lot. I don't know everything. And I'll tell you, every dollar so far that I've put in my MBA, I got accepted to my dream school. I am going to UCLA. Yes, that has impacted my confidence in a crazy positive way. That was the one dream I didn't think I'd ever get. And to be able to cross that box, I mean, obviously it's not fully checked. I still have to get the degree, <laughs> but I, I'm here. I, I'm, I'm going to UCLA. I'm getting my MBA in every class that I've taken. I have applied something new into my company that has produced a positive outcome. And my team, they're so supportive. They're, they're so supportive of this. And so to, to be inspiring young minds and to show my team that I'm not above learning more. 
I think it's had a really good sort of uh, impact on the overall team chemistry too. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of a circular effect, isn't it? The more you do that, the more they're inspired, the more they're inspired, the better they do, the more money you have to work with. To, I mean, it's just, it's a, grow and do other things. Right. Yeah. It's a great circle. Fabulous. Fabulous. So I've got one last question. Many driven women like yourself struggle to balance their male and female energy in a healthy way. Yeah. And in the PR and marketing space you played there in Beverly Hills, California, both energies are certainly needed. Yes. Do you ever find yourself struggling with this? I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yes. You know, what I've, what I've found is there just has to be a way to reset when you go one way or the other. And what I mean by that is, and I'll, I'll give my, my ex-husband full, full credit on the persona that I take on when I need to be tough in a boardroom. That man, it's like commanded attention without having to say it. He walked into a room, his friends felt it. There was this very strong male presence. And I would say as a 19-year-old, as a 20-year-old, looking at that, thinking, how does that happen? Like, that is just, he's unapologetically who he is. And that's a certain level of confidence that I really wanted to learn. So that's what I bring to work, right? I've learned that when you can, right or wrong, you own certain decisions and who you are and, and the why. That, that gives you a certain level of confidence where, look, I might not be right, but this is what feels right to me right now. And I'm going to strive to do the right thing, you know, and that, that was very much his way. And so I find that I take on more of that male persona at work. I definitely do. But when I'm getting ready for work, it's, there's a very feminine process, right? And I find that balance in doing my hair putting on the jewelry, doing my makeup and, and remembering that deep down, Nicole is a girl. <laughs> Joy. I enjoy being a woman. I, I love that process of mentally getting in the mindset of I've got to be confident. I've got to lead. My team is counting on me and listening to that fun, soft music that reminds me that I'm, I'm still a human and it's okay. I don't have to be a man in all facets of my life in order to be successful in business. And in fact, in relationships, I like taking on the girl part. I don't want to have to make decisions about dinner. Please, you make the decision. Tell me where we're going to go to dinner. You want me to cook something? Fine. You know, for me, I, I force that sort of that girl to, to have a presence and to know that it's okay. Cause I think that nowadays People are like, well, no, you've women have to do this, and at home they have to do this, and yeah, that's tiring. That's it is tiring. I agree with you, and I and I applaud you that you have figured this out uh, yeah. because some women go an entire lifetime and never never figure this out, Nicole, yeah. and and so they end up very unhappy in lots of ways because they because it, it is a confusing balance. It can't, yeah, it but, definitely. Uh, but I, I hear you. I. Uh, I, I do somewhat the same thing in my workspace. I'm very male energy, but I, in the mornings when I'm getting together, I do the same thing you do. And then I'll even dance around, listen to the yeah. music sometimes. You ever do that? <laughs> Shake your booty a little bit. So. Yes. Like, oh, this is so fun. And at the end of the day, I'll tell you in the peace and quiet of my home, I will, you know, just lights down, candles, very soft energy, and just kind of tune back in. It's like, I almost like reset. I shower and just right at the end of the day, wash it all off, pull the hair back and just relax. And I, again, it's another reset. 
So it's like set, reset. And I think that if you allow that process, the natural, you know, human feminine person who lives in there isn't trapped. She can live and and feel like she has that freedom to do so. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love that. So is there anything else about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with other women? Ah, gosh. You know, I, I would say as a mom, it's probably my the most important thing. I have been mom shamed. Um, I have felt mom guilt. I have felt the guilt of not being that traditional girlfriend and wife and well, you know, what, what's wrong with you kind of thing. You know, I, I battled that for a long time and, and I hope to encourage other women to, you know, I, I said enough, I am who I am. I am not the bake sale mom. I stink at baking brownies. I stink at it, but I am great at motivating my daughter to write great essays and paragraphs and sentence structure and things in school. I am great at teaching her the values of being a good woman who keeps her word. I am great at showing her the world and working hard and experiencing life with her. I take her on vacations. So what I found was, what am I good at as a mom? And I really, really solidified who I am in that. So that way, no, I'm not going to the bake sale. You don't want my brownies. They won't taste good. No, I am not going to be at all the PTA meetings because I'm going to be here. But here's how I will contribute. I will take a week off and I'll volunteer at science camp, which I did. Took a week off and spent the week with the kids and my daughter and whatever. I found the ways to make who I am as a mom work for me, my daughter, and our life. And I stopped with everything else that just wasn't right for me, just like a job. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not always going to be good at math, but I'm going to be great at the writing. So anywhere you need me to do this, I'll be great at it. Just don't expect me to do too much of this. You know, I'll try, but it's not going to be my best, you know? So I think in life as a wife, a mother, uh, whatever, what are you naturally good at? And be okay with that and own it without feeling guilt that you're not good at the other stuff. And I think that's really helped me and my daughter bond in this whole process of, of being a mom and a, a really hard working, you know, um, executive at the same time. And I think that is beautiful advice. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for taking time away from your company duties. I know your, your schedule was crazy. We, before we got on, you talked, you'd had four hours of sleep last night because you were doing such crazy things, but it was great and such an honor to have you with me today. Oh, thank you. It was my pleasure. And Nicole is another great example of how women are challenging the norm, making things happen, and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on the World's Greatest Women Show as another powerful woman's story unfolds. 